Okay, we're going to be talking about how to maintain freshness for all that stuff you brought indoors, such as your evergreens, your holly, your boughs, things of that nature for the holiday season. Stick with us. Hi, this is Season 2, show from number 37. This is your Midwest Garden Podcast. I'm Michael Rourke, and the other guy over there is who? Scott. Scott who? Sandstrom. Who happens to be? A very rookie, still rookie gardener. Well, according to... Sophomore. Well, a, a sophomore, Freshman. yeah. You, you advanced, but you know what? That, that we got we got pretty high rootin' tootin' falutin' pretty here in the Midwest. Uh, did you know that we are pretty established as far as celebrities in one isolated town slash city in the Midwest? Yes, in Sylvania. Yes. You want to share that with us? We had a regional local paper do a little article on Mike and Scott here. Yours little? True. Yeah. It was a big piece. It was like 52 columns. It was page eight, section hey. one. Yes, it was big. They had two photographs of us on there. Yeah, front front page too. The front page tees and well, front page tees. Front I mean, page tees, awesome. So, Mike, we're going to shout out to the Savannah Advantage newspaper. How many copies did you get? I gave them all to you. You you kept. No, you did not, because I got about <laughs> eighty of them. No, no, I got plenty of copies. Okay, and they're well, all. I up. gave them away. They're yeah, gone. yeah, yeah, they're all out. Well. But help help a friend out, you know, not just because it was us. No, front page, corner, tease. Ooh. What'd you say? Page front, eight, front eight, section, eight, eight, page eight A. I did I did post the link on the our Facebook page. So. Oh, is it on the computer also? The website? There's the website? on her Facebook page. On her Facebook page. Uh, or Sylvania Vantage website. Well, the 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 journalist that basically Mary inter- Ellen. Mary Ellen did yep. a wonderful job, and I understand from what uh well, she she had come back and said, you know, a portion of it had to be cut out because it was just way too long. Could yeah. have taken up the entire Sylvania Advantage. That was but, a long interview, but it was a good one. Oh yeah, I we were having so fun. Much, so much good rebuttal from it. It didn't place some emphasis on how much uh, of a pro you are when it came down to being a, a a producer, but then also expressing your ignorance on gardening and basically allowing your yours truly here to flaunt his stuff. I mean, I was really all over the place. I was expounding on what I do. You were on fire. My knowledge is, how I can be humble, but at the same time, very informative. I, I actually got to say a couple of things during that interview. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was a little long-winded, but I, I just wanted to make sure that she she didn't miss anything of no, any no. importance. She caught on to how we banter oh. really quickly. Yeah, that's why she told me to shut up in so many words. Yeah. I mean, because I do kind of keep talking about nothing, don't I? Sometimes. Most times. Okay. All the time. Well, thank no, it you. didn't. Yes, thank you very much, Sylvania Vantage. That was that was fun. That was beautiful. It was fun. And if you have any questions on it, don't forget to give Scott a holler about it. He'll tell you on her Facebook page how to get a hold of it. But anyways, what this is going to be a carryover from not necessarily the Sylvania Advantage newspaper, which we are on page eight and page one. <laughs> But it also has a lot to do with um, what we were talking about. We did a, a, a new, uh, a reintroduction on, on on Christmas trees. The encore episode of Duke Wheeler's 
White House Christmas tree it's show. It's a Christmas tree farm, yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to my rant at the beginning yes, of that? Yes, and you did rant on, I mean, that was... I put, I put a challenge out to all our listeners. You want to reiterate it? Well, my challenge was, is if you have an artificial tree, then go out, and in and, and spirit of Duke, and if you listen to Duke's show, you'll understand what I'm saying, and you're not going to think I'm being forward, but he, even FedEx sends a truck there, and they donate trees to... First of all, he donates trees, X amount of trees, to firemen, policemen in the area, and then they do military. And then they, FedEx also fills up a truck of his for people that have donated money or his trees that he donates and sends them to military base. Now, do you know how long it takes for a tree to get Christmas tree size and how much money and effort and labor that they have to put into that yeah, yeah. in order for it to be cropped and then shipped? Now, I mean, you're talking at least 15 years. At least. I would now, say, yeah, I think you said like 12, 15, yeah. So this is this is definitely, it's not a job. This is probably his giving back to society. Right. So he's giving back, and that was my point at the beginning of that Encore episode was like, hey, if you have an artificial tree, I do now too, just because the kids are gone and we go visit them, so it's a lot easier. So so, so yeah, if you have an artificial, that's great, but go live the experience. Go out to a fresh cut place, cut down one, and, and then donate it back to them or talk to them before you do it, whatever you need to do, so that you, that can be a donation, but you get to live the experience and it's have a family fun. family thing, too. I yeah. mean, the little people want to run out there, and they want to go and say, I want this one. No, 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 no. Jimmy, Julie says she wants the one way over there, and then Todd is kicking his feet going, I wanted another one. So it's really an experience. You cut yours down that you all agree on. You drag it. You know who ends up dragging that? It ends up, it used to be that it was dad that did that or or the strongest of the person that's there. Mom could have been stronger too. But now Duke is there. They have people that do help pull them down and take right. them to your vehicle. Now now that we're talking about, by the way, that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, nah, we're getting toward the deadline right at the moment. I would get a hold of Duke Wheeler or any of the Christmas yeah, he's, tree farms. He's only got a week left that he's open doing a U-cut. Yeah. So yes. all your U-cut farms are limited and, and they're open. You're getting the freshest of the fresh. But this is going to be a nice little neat segue as to what this program's about. Exactly. All right. Now, mind you, you're promoting and we are promoting going out and getting the freshest of the fresh trees that you could possibly get. That would be to cut your own down that was just growing. You know, it, it's not necessarily alive when you bring it in, but it was at one time until you knocked it down in a dormant state right now. So, I mean, it's already anesthetized. So when you cut it down, you're not really causing any pain. Right. Uh, but bringing it in, there's why do you think that there's a Christmas tree that you bring indoors? I mean, live, fresh Christmas tree. Well, from what I understand, it doesn't have to be a tree. Does it relate to any? You, Mike does. Mike did a lot of homework. He's all excited about. I'd like this. to say I knew this already, but I didn't. But is it is it isn't it just any greens that this represents this well, time of year? Let's start with the tree. All right, go and ahead. Now you've heard of the Yule tide season. You've heard about you know bringing the Yule log indoors. Yeah. Well, the Yule log is technically our Christmas tree. It's it's not for your fireplace. No. You bring it in, and then you bring it indoors, and you put lights on it. Now, 650 years ago, even longer than that, 
Well, it, it goes back to, let's just say, a Celtic tradition, a Druid tradition. It goes back to the, the, the Norsemen, the Vikings. When December 21st would come on board, it was the darkest time of the year. And it's the, the winter solstice. Well, people it would get depressed in their time, too, as well as we, you know, it's getting dark at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, it's midnight. Well, let's do something. They decided that they would bring the healthiest, liveliest, uh, anything indoors. And outdoors, I mean, they're oak trees, they're, pot, they're, 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 they're maple trees. Any of the deciduous trees, they don't have any leaves on them. The only thing that showed any signs of life is going to be the evergreen tree, such as your, your balsam, which is the traditional uh, Christmas tree. But they'd bring in a fir, a balsam, um, any type of a tree indoors, and then they would put candles on it or things that they could light and ignite or reflect on it that would represent the outdoors. That was the first Yule log. Well, the Germans decided that they would, instead of bringing in the Yule log, they would bring in what they call the Christmas tree. And this is around, oh, let's say the 16th century that they started bringing them in. And yes, it was Lutheran at the time. Now, I've got more without getting into a religious aspect of it. You bring in that tree indoors, you're going to bring in the light. You're bringing in the fresh ambiance as far as the fragrance. You're bringing in the lights of the candles to represent outdoors. And the tree itself or the evergreen represents eternal life which is going to lead into something else a little bit later on. But what Scott has been stating was do your own investigation. And if you want to really have the experience, especially after listening to this podcast, go get your own, get yourself a fresh tree. If you can't get yourself a fresh tree, get yourself something to bring indoors. There's things like roping. There's things like the pine boughs. There's even pine cones that you can bring indoors. But decorating those things and bringing them indoors is going to help set, well, an atmosphere of, uh, of, well, the season. I think a lot of people remember it when we were little kids, when they brought the Christmas tree in and it smelled so good, and that meant Santa Claus was coming. But it also has a religious aspect to it. Almost every religion, starting from Eastern Europe, working its way all the way to the United States, does have a religious continuity to it. Um, when you go out, let's just put it this way. Holly is very, very revered. So is mistletoe. Now, mistletoe, they used to have, it's a parasitic plant or semi-parasitic plant, but they used to see it up on the tallest boughs of the trees that, that would still be green and still be alive. And they would get the mistletoe to bring that in too. It represents life. It represents the living. But there's also something there spiritual about it. Um, most of the religions, for instance, from the Romans, for instance, you know who brought Christianity? The, the Christmas tree is basically about the Christ magic, uh, uh, but the Romans, um, Constantine's mother brought Christianity to Rome, which began the Holy Roman Empire. You know, the outdoor wreaths and the indoor wreaths that we have, Scott, the ones that are all decorated with the bows and the holly and everything else on there, those have significance to it also. Did you realize that the wreath itself was a crown that only noble persons or the emperors of Rome would wear. So they flipped it 90 degrees and became a wreath instead of on your head. What ended up happening is when Christianity came on board, Constantine and his mother, actually, I think her name was Helen, um, ended up 
bringing Christianity to Rome, the Holy Roman Empire, thus the Holy Roman Empire. Um, instead of praising the, the Caesar and crowning him, the crown was basically meant for Christ, which was the wreath and representative of life and the rebirth of Christ, not the rebirth, but the risen Christ himself. Also, when it was taught, they used the wreath itself to teach the young children Christianity or other religions as well, the circle of life. Now, we've all seen that Disney cartoon or the movie about the circle of life, but where you start on the wreath, you go and follow it all the way around, so too shall you end up. In other words, it never ends. So it's basically with the evergreen sensation made out of the wreath and the circle in itself, symbolism or symbolically represents an eternity that's going to be guaranteed. It doesn't mean that December 21, the shortest day of the year or longest night of the year, is the beginning of the end. No, because once that's over, you're going to be starting all over again. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it is cool. It is cool. So, I mean... The Yule log went from the whole tree to a little log that they would put candles on. Now, each religion would had a candle. I think there was a red, white, and a blue candle that you would put on three of them. But synonymous, let's just say, with Hanukkah, there is the menorah that you're lighting, and it's the seven days of darkness, or I don't, I don't want to be, oh, goodness gracious, there's, it represents also light and, and a reawakening. And there's seven or nine days, and I'm not sure. But once that's over, the days start getting longer and longer and longer. And it all has some significance and symbolism to what we're all celebrating right now. So I don't think it's just strictly, I mean, that we're going to say the season is strictly for Christmas. Other religions celebrate it for the seasonal aspect that you're going to be getting out of it. The shortest day out of the year, the longest day of darkness, but then the guarantee that there's going to be life after that, the days start getting longer. So now that you've taught us some stuff here. I just basically reiterated. Yes. I think it was cool. Well, we're a gardening podcast, so let's get into a little bit of taking care of those live greens now that you've brought them into the house. Yeah. I heard one of the things... Um, Maybe kind of hard to do with roping, but you could. But wreaths would be easy. That Before you bring them in, put them in a tub, plastic tub outside, soak them in water overnight or something like that. Teach us. There's valid. You're very good at that. You can soak them if you wanted to, but please pay attention to the weather report. Because if it freezes overnight, you got yourself a great big ice well, cube I mean, you could, of, of nothing. You but, bring them in the garage, put them in a tub of water. And then water. let them set overnight so that they revitalize themselves with the the moisture that they have to have within the stem work. Yeah. All right. Now, after you've let them set there overnight, you're going to see that there's going to be a little depletion, but not a whole bunch of, of water. You take them out, and then if you want, you can hang them, or you can just let them lie on the garage floor and let them eventually, you can go out and shake them a little bit just to get rid of the excess water. Of course. But then when you bring it in, that's going to ensure that you're going to have longevity from that evergreen that you have at, that you soaked in there, whether it was a wreath whether it's boughs, whether it's roping. But now, see, people buy roping in 25-yard you know, yard coils, uh, which is, do you know what 25 yards is? It's 75 feet, Scott! Anyhow, what I'm going to really recommend is if you can keep them outdoors, but take them out of the coil. Unwrap them. Allow those needles to expand. 
I mean, they're going to gradually open up once they get into the warmth of the uh, the house. But if you can take them and open them up, not fully into the garage, not everybody's got a 75-foot garage. But if you can open it up, but first of all, keep it outdoors as long as you can, in the snow if possible. If you want to, you can get, basically pour water on them, yes. But then again, you got to bring them into the garage. And if you have a garage, let that excessive moisture get itself off of the needles and off of the stem work of it. And then go ahead and open it up. Now, it's going to look a little bit constricted as soon as you open it up because it's going to be cold in the garage unless you have a heated garage. Right. If you have a heated garage, those needles are going to gradually start to expand and open up, provided you have the moisture on there. Now, they will last you for quite some time. It depends on the on the type of roping that you've had. Now, there's pine roping, and it's usually made out of white pine. It's a softer needle. That should last you a good month plus, but it does dry. So, I mean, you can't go out there. You can if you wanted to to take an atomizer while it's up and mist it, but it can ruin your wallpaper. It can ruin a little bit of, you know, the paint job that you have on your banister going up the stairs. Just leave it alone. I think in that case you're going to find that it'll last for the whole period. Some people leave them up until Valentine's Day, which is a little too long in my book. Yeah. But, I mean, if you put it up, say, just after Thanksgiving, it'll last you all the way through the first, second week into January. It shouldn't be a problem. You And you have to be smart about which rooms you actually put live wreaths versus artificial. Like, And now you want to explain that? Well, I, I mean, I'm getting into Yule, Yule fire, fireplaces, dryness, you know, don't put a live wreath near the fireplace because you're just going to dry it out. Or your Christmas tree, like... Uh, Duke said at one time, don't, you know, keep them as far away from the fireplace as you can. I mean, it looks and, warm and it looks yeah, inviting. It looks and beautiful this. in the photo. But that photo is a one-time hit. Well, the same thing with the roping. I mean, a lot of people like to drape it onto the, onto the banister or the mantle. The mantle, yeah. And, I mean, when you're cooking a fire on there, whether it's gas or, you know, wood, right. you're, you're going to end up drying out those things. And they so in my, in my house, that's all artificial. Well, the, even the artificial the man- stuff can burn, but less likely than it would. I mean, well, I'm not talking about burning in fire. I'm just talking about drying out and oh. becoming brown and ugly. Well, see, you're using logic. <laughs> I mean, and see, that's the technocrat. It's the Dr. Spock of me. That is. I mean, that's, that's the, the, I, you know, a lot of, I didn't think of that. I, I'm yeah, just basically You don't want to be brown. No, you don't. On Christmas Day. But then again, let's say you have an apartment and you can't bring that tree in because they don't, let's say they have a fire uh what rules or whatever, or bringing some, it's a hazard and the insurance won't allow it. What can you bring indoors that's going to basically give you that ambiance that you want for the holiday? An air freshener? No, that smells like a bathroom. Oh my God. I can't, you know, did you ever spray that stuff? Your wife owns a company a that. Pine scent? Yes. That doesn't smell like pine. It smells like a sanitary bathroom in a hospital. No, we have some pine scent. You're sniffing some right now, and you don't even know it. I, 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 I. But what, what, what could you bring into a, an apartment? Ask if, me that nicely now. Hey, Mike, what could you bring into an apartment? Well, I'm glad you asked, Scott. What you could bring into an apartment are, like I said, the roping, or you can get the swaths, the boughs, or you could get, uh, I mean, a number of things. You can get yourself even, well, they got pre-cut ones that you can go to, let's say, a garden center, and they're going to have Douglas fir. They're going to have... Uh, like a swag? The, the swags themselves. Yeah, they're going to have uh, noble fir. They're going to have pine. 
They're going to have a, a number of different varieties of pine. You've got the white pine, the scotch pine. Now, do you know the difference between a scotch pine tree and a white pine tree? Yes, I don't. Now you really threw me a curveball. Well, anyways, I'm going to do it anyways. The scotch pine has got knots on it. It's very, very difficult to find a straight one of those. And it's very difficult to keep the needles on it. I mean, once you get it indoors, you got to shake the schmutz out of it. Which one again? The scotch pine. Scotch is hard to keep the needles on. Well, no, they dry out fast, but you'll notice that when they come in a bundle, you'll notice that you have an awful lot of, when they open them up, of what appears to be drying needles on the inside. Same true, holds true for the, the uh, white pine, but the scotch pine needles are hard. The softer ones are going to be the white pine. Both are going to have a little bit of a dieback on the inside because they've been bundled or if you get a fresh cut on it, you're not going to find too many of that of those. But in this case, make darn sure that, that uh, if you want to go with the Scotch pine because gramps or mom and dad, you grew up, whatever, with it, go ahead and do it. But make sure you got plenty of water in there. Now, you want to know a secret for the base of the water, which is probably pretty cool? No, enlighten me because I want to see what you're. I want to hear what you're going to okay, say. Okay, do you guys use any sweet and low? No, but I, I know where you're going. This is didn't Duke tell us don't do anything with the Christmas tree? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. He says don't do anything. That's right. But do you know that there's an awful lot of different chemicals in the water that we've tapped. You know, there's fluoride in there. True. So you know they're allowing certain amounts of arsenic in there. So are you better off before you do additives? Are you better off just using distilled water? If you want, yes. And if it, yes, okay. You, now see, you're you're going somewhere with this. I'm gonna let you. Explain why you think that this is going to be your better bet. Because I can see the TikTok going in your head. Well, no, I was, you had just mentioned, you know, just city tap water, you know, it has, you know, obviously chemicals, fluorides in there and stuff like that. that right. So uh, you basically. Which are preservatives. Yeah. So you basically want to get as close to rainwater, I imagine, as you can for your living creatures that you just brought inside the house. That you decapitated well, and you brought it indoors. Don't tell the little people. And in a loving way. In a loving way. That's right. Um, no. Yes, you're right. If you can, and if you're willing to go out of your way and do that, or if you just want to get this darn thing up and get it lit, because <laughs> so you can get lit, <laughs> and the kids are going, "Yay, Uncle so Lewis, what'd you do to my tree? <laughs> What's your cat doing in there, Scott? You know that sort of thing. Yes, you could. But here's the thing. Start out with the fresh water, whether it's tap water or whether it happens to be the, what, what kind of water is it that you use for your irons and that? Um, distilled. Distilled water, right. yeah. I mean, it doesn't. So, have, so if I bring a swag home that's yeah. from the garden center and I'm just putting it in an apartment. Right. Or, or I mean, come on, this goes for any greens you're putting in uh, your house. Right. Do, and so like when I had mentioned about soaking it, do I put a fresh cut somewhere down the line near the end and then soak it just and do I treat it like a miniature Christmas tree? If you've got would a, that help? If you've got a five gallon bucket, yes. Answer your question. You can do that to ensure. Um give okay. it a fresh cup, but you don't have to crop it. I mean, just go down at the base of the stem. Nick it. And just give it a good quarter of an inch cut. Yeah. That's it. Right. Drop it into the five gallon bucket, pour the water in there from the kitchen, let it sit there overnight, take it out, shake it out, and then go ahead and Prepare the areas that you want to do, or you can design your own artwork and put your own things on it. It's it's kind of no different than getting fresh cut flowers and you're cutting the stems off the bottom and putting them in the vase. Boy, perfect analogy. 
That's that's exactly right. I mean, it's 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 something that is alive that you've got in order for it to maintain itself. Yes, you've got to keep. If if let's just say you gave your wife a bunch of a dozen roses, what what do you think? Go ahead and just drop them into the vase, and it's going to take off on its own. Well, you're going to give them a little bit of a fresh cut and put them in there. So let's get back to your original statement here about the sweet and low. Right. The florists like. Like Jen, Beautiful Blooms by Jen, which who we interviewed last year about this time, they give you those little packets. What do you think those little packets are? Sweet and low? Well, they, they won't say it. I mean, it'll say preservative, right? Uh, basically. But if you read the fine print on it, it's the same stuff. So if this leads to a question, well, if it's good for preserving a rose or a tree, what is it doing to my innards? Oh, no. I don't use sweet and low. I use regular sugar or honey. It's not a medical podcast, Mike. No, I didn't think so. I mean, I'm just basically so. Saying- may- so I assume that that type of stuff that you get with fresh cut flowers is neutralizing or making the water a pH even balance versus the chemicals the city are putting in what to the water. What what let's say the floral shops are giving you, and what you can get at your grocery store if you've been using the sweet and lows or the artificial sweeteners, what, what that'll do is it'll allow the plant to retain its flower or its leaves or its needles, i.e. in the Christmas tree or in their boughs or your swags. So it allows that to adhere longer and it maintain its color too. It doesn't mean it's not going to dry out. It's just going to fool us and make us look like, wow, that's lasted a long time. When you go over there and take your hand on it and you pull a little bit or tug on it, yeah, you're going to find out that that's going to fall off. It's going to fall off like it was dry, and it is going to be dry. But it preserves the color. So do you have and it a, here. For those who would like to try the sweet and low trick, is there a ratio of, the, of sweet and low to water? No, and I don't want to tell, give any false information on it. What we used to do, we used to just go to the, you know, my mother-in-law's sweet and low little packages that she would steal from the grocery, not grocery store, but to the restaurants. Yeah. And she'd fill her purse with us. She'd have hundreds of them. We'd just take a packet per each time we gave it the water. A packet. And put it in. Now, that's after we've given it the fresh water the first time. The fresh cut and the fresh water. Right. Which is not fresh water. It's fluoride and whatever else the city's that's putting in. That's right. It's not rainwater, which is what, or, or if you're really ambitious, go out and put a pan and fill it with real rainwater. Or if you've got snow. Snow. Yeah, melt the snow. Melt the snow. But you notice uh, you get five gallons of snow, and you bring it indoors to the heated garage. You've only got yourself a quart of water. Right. So. Well, because I remember when we did the interview with Duke a year ago, um, that I had even mentioned Sprite because I had heard Sprite or the sugar in Sprite or whatever in pop, and he's like, you know, no, dude, don't do that. Just give it some good Just old give water. It good old water. That will, I mean, if you want to continue to do that. Now, some, like I said, remember, some people like leaving their Christmas trees up for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, some people traditionally won't take it down until Valentine's Day. But that's an artificial tree. I, I hope mean, so. I'm because... hoping so, too, because, I mean, that. I, you ever try dragging those trees through the door when they're totally been up a little bit too long? Yeah. 90% yeah. of it's on your carpet. I, I love live trees. I mean, it's... Uh... We, my daughter and son and I argued with my wife for years because she kept saying the artificial. I'm like, no, but it dirties the house. Little fall, lots of sap. Well, yeah, but now see, I did a little research too that when you bring a live or fresh cut indoors, 
you're going to be bringing some critters indoors. And that's that's okay. You've done that forever. So besides mm-hmm. besides the squirrels, what critters are we oh, bringing in? I have something that yes, the squirrels. Now squirrel. Oh, we're going to give you a warning. You saw you know National Lampoon's Christmas holiday vacation, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, a and you saw where few trillion times that squirrel that jumped out, right? Yeah. Wow, that was an open tree. But we we actually sold something at your wife's you know store. Yeah, and. Um, Somebody wanted it, and you know, it bundled up, a fresh one. It was a fresh tree. That's sure, not a problem. Well, when they put it up, um, the the branches started opening up, the fronds started folding out, and it started looking really pretty. They decorated it, but then it started having a smell to it. Well, you know, upon further investigation, they looked all over. They couldn't find anything until when that tree was cut down, and it was fresh. I mean, it was cut a week prior, but some dummy squirrel didn't want to come out. And so when they cut the tree down, they put it in a baler and you know, uh, you know how tight that baler gets. Well, that squirrel got bailed into that thing and they couldn't, we, we, we obliged and gave him a new one, but I mean, it wasn't one of these things that. Yeah. Well, I, even, even I mean, always check out the tree. I mean, you yeah. can go with a bailed one already. Duke but, even talked about that a couple of times. So. Well, sure he did. So uh, the long story short here is that if you have fresh garlands, fresh wreaths, ropings, swags, whatever, try, you know, treat them a little bit like a fresh, fresh flower when you first bring them in. When you first bring them in. And then if, you know, if you are one of those folks that tend to keep them longer than, you know, let's say early January, it wouldn't hurt to take them. I mean, if you take them out of the display and missed them so you don't destroy your house and then put them back will that help or is that you mean the tree not the tree but like a swag or a roping piece well yeah you could kind of pointless i would say that's pointless okay it would probably only i mean a good fresh roping good fresh swag could end up lasting you a good month six plus weeks um i think during the christmas holiday uh, you know through the, the actually the holidays themselves whether it's hanukkah christmas you name it. They're, they're, it's going to last the whole period. So the key to key to bringing this stuff in the house is to the fresh cut, the soak in water, and whatever you're going to do right off the bat, and then just let it go. Stay away from the sugars. And like the Sprite that you were talking about? Yeah. All right. And the reason is, is yeah. because when you put that in there, you get that, get, that has a tendency to smell. It mold develops in there you get some type of chemical reaction when the water gets down to a point where the tree doesn't take in that much sugar it stops taking it in and it starts to collect it there it starts to get really kind of um iffy i mean no, that's good advice so stay yeah. away from that that's yeah. why we're recommending the other preservatives or the artificial sweeteners or snow snow yes but fresh water for really fresh water no i've been at the greenhouse building Grave pillows, grave blankets. My third year doing it. They're looking pretty good, Mike. Looking pretty good. You got to say so for yourself, right? (laughs) Anyway, so I I have a way of building these things. And everybody, I don't know what in the Midwest here, I don't know if you guys even know what I'm talking about. Because I'm from Pittsburgh. I grew up in the Cleveland area, Lakewood, Ohio. I had no idea what these things were until I came to Toledo. And really? 
Yes, and See, I'm, I'm told it's. On this. Yeah. I'm told this is kind of a Polish thing. The grave pillows, grave blankets. Can you in Toledo? Okay. It was primarily Polish or Hungarian, and the reason is is because the people, second, third, fourth, fifth generation uh, Poles, ended up bringing the tradition with them. Like I didn't know what a pierogi was, but it's not necessarily Polish for pierogies. It could be Hungarian, Ukrainian, whatever. But it's the Eastern European tradition. Um, they're delicious, by the way. I happen to be Irish. But when it comes down to the Christmas, uh, not the grave blankets, the grave pillows, yeah. the wreaths, it's a tradition that has been brought over by the Eastern Europeans when they emigrated to the United States. So for those of you that in the Midwest that are listening to this that don't know what this is, it, like I didn't, even in Cleveland— and, you know, two hours west, it's a big thing. It is... Uh, um, Tradition. It, it is greens put together to keep your loved one, past loved one, you know, warm, a.k.a. pillow or blanket. And it's just greens with some decoration, cone, pine cones, some ribbons, you know, different colors, same color. You can do whatever you like. And you place them on the gravesite for the winter. Like you, Scott, I came from a different state also. I came from Southern California. I was born, I came back uh, into Toledo, Ohio. My mother, she was scared crazy of rattlesnakes, earthquakes, and brush fires. We called them brush fires at the time. Yeah. Well, she couldn't stay. She's originally from Toledo. She packed us all up and said, John, who, who's my dad, you can follow us if you want, but we're going back to Toledo. Then we also noticed that people got decorations for cemeteries. Not just to put on the outside of your house or on your door. We saw that in Southern California also. But there were relatives of ours. My mother took us out there, and we saw all these things on the cemeteries. And there's snow on the ground, and some, you know, had the snow on top of it. But there's wreaths on there. There's pillows or little tufty things. Or there's flat things with things like poinsettias or evergreens or holly or berries, things of that nature. And if you noticed it, for the most part— the last names on all of them were, well, again, of Eastern European heritage, whether it's Polish. Now, not too much on the German, but the Hungarians, the Czechs, yes. And why? Because remember what we talked about, about the evergreens and the influence that the Roman Christians had? They transitioned their old beliefs of the wreath, for instance, which was the crown, which was the holly, which you had around holly and, and any kind of an evergreen around the, the, the head of the, the European, not the European, but the emperor. Mm-hmm. Well, Helen, Constantine's mom, brought it back with her, but instead of just, you know, one individual representative of, the, of, of the, the Christ and the crown of thorns, the wreath, the circle of life, well, also the evergreen on the grave itself represents a remembrance of life that it will be eternal. So as the resurrection, as you will rise also. In other words, life is there after death. So when you're out there, you're recognizing, yes, it was a loved one that has passed, but it is for us, not the loved one that has passed, to look and say, yes, he or she has also risen. And the life after the death is a resurrection in itself by the symbolism of, of the branches that you put down there, the pine, the holly. I mean, even mistletoe is a a remembrance, but you don't notice too much of that outdoors. 
you notice it indoors. Mm-hmm. Now, mistletoe, parasitic plant, it's actually semi-parasitic. It, it, it has host plants, but they used to say it was all just strictly on an oak tree. There's a number of trees that they're on. But they used to climb the tops of those trees, harvest them, bring them down, because they were, they were very, very, oh, again, had something to do with the religious aspect of having life after death. If you look at the deciduous trees and you see clusters of not the squirrel's nest, but you see clusters of mistletoe, people will climb because it was life. It was still living. And when you have the longest day of the year, you bring that down and said, yes, there's hope. We still have life that's going to be coming back. But you didn't notice it in Pittsburgh. No. I didn't notice it in Southern California. And I don't know if anybody out west is going to notice it or recognize it. It's it's all strictly heritage neighborhoods. Thank you. I, I mean, mean, they're boroughs that had, you know. Like well, a, I mean, when I lived in Lakewood, there's a city in called Parma, Ohio, that is has a lot of Polish people that I'm sure even just that short distance, I'm sure these appeared there as a kid, but I was never there, so I never... You know, same here in well, let's say in Toledo. Very interesting. So it's it's interesting to see maybe how much of our listeners out west, uh, you know, have this tradition or not. I, I just think it was very interesting, and it got to the point when I first met my now wife, we used to buy it, these grave blankets and take them back to Lakewood and for my grandparents and stuff like that. So now that I'm in that area, you know, visiting family. Grave blankets, grave pillows are a thing. It's, and you're noticing more and more. Yeah. I mean, now, and you're even becoming more critical being that you're, you've made them. Yes. All right. You say, mine look better than that. I can't believe somebody put that on their own family's grave. When I make mine and we kind of. like an MO. It kind of, yes. It's just a chuckle in the warehouse when we're making these. And I always have what I call a branch. When you're cutting the branches back off of the. Greens are coming in. I have certain ones. I cut a certain, like people have like two or three piles. I've got like four. And one of them, <laughs> I, one of them I call the centerpiece. And it depends on the type of tree that comes in. But I was like, oh, these are my centerpieces. And then, and I build mine off of that. And then I also have, what's the other one that Annie laughs at me? Oh, the triplets. You got the end of a, a branch that has like a triplet of branches that come out. I keep those, and I cut mine shorter so that those look natural when they're placed in the brick foam. They give more of a of a feathery appearance. Yes, too. yes, not like a cut. Or, no, you know. So I cut mine shorter, but I have these triplets that are still out there, and so everybody makes fun of my triplets and my centerpieces. Have you ever made any customized ones? I mean, I know Annie used to make Annie. Yeah, we had no, her they, on. She was a perennial gal um, last spring. But basically, Annie is uh, also one of the chief pillow and wreath makers. Yep. There at Black Diamond Garden Center. Now, Annie used to get make personalized ones. A lady who lost two grandchildren um, right at birth. Um, Annie makes special little grave pillows for Still them. Still do. And the lady brings in special things that she wants on them. But yep. remember, there's still the evergreens that's in there and that's involved. Mm-hmm. And the evergreen means the symbolism or symbolic that there's life after the end of life here. Right. So, but do you ever make anything for anybody on a special order? I will make the 
the blanket, Annie or somebody else will decorate them to that specific client's request. Okay. I don't finish them. Okay. Now, the, again, the religious aspect, when you get to the Poles, the Hungarians, the Czechs, basically the religious aspect of it, yes, the evergreen, as in the wreath, is, again, the circle of life where it's going to be continuing. Where you start, so shall you stop. But you've got holly. You've got the berries. The berries are usually red. The holly is thorny, represents the crown of thorns, as well as the blood of the Christ. So, I mean, there's so much symbolism that each person can and probably will put into it on their own. When you make your own or bring in special requests, they bring in little toys or little flowers that they want put on them. And this is from Nana. This is from Grandma. This is from Mommy or Daddy. And it's very heartbreaking but it's, and very special to these people um, and when it, it always has been. And so throughout history, it's a reminder mm-hmm. that there is something that will carry on after the fact. So it's basically for us, not for the ones that departed. Correct. But for us to right. know that there is something after that. Before we wrap up today's show, I have one little nugget of information. Okay. When you're talking about. Well, you know, when like when Duke was talking about the Christmas tree and all that and the first ones and you had that story we did, the first Christmas tree lights. Yeah. 1882. Thomas Edison and his buddy, uh, Johnson, they hand-wired 80 lights together on a string, red, white, and blue. And they did wind them around a Christmas tree. So that was the first real, I'm going to say, use of them around a tree. Well, that started in the 19th century, and that's part of the stuff that I was looking at. They had them earlier than 82, but there were a lot of fires. A lot of fires. They even did candles on it. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about electric light. When it came to the electric light. So I'm I'm giving it the 1882, the the red, white, and blue Still the Victorian era, and it was red, white, and blue. You're right. Oh, my gosh. And, And I got another one for Duke. Duke Wheeler, if you're listening, getting your... White House Christmas tree in the White House. In 1895, President Cleveland requested that the White House family Christmas tree be illuminated by multicolored electric light bulbs. Which president? Cleveland. Whoa. 1895. I got something. Can I one-up you? Yeah, one-up me. All right. In 1839, a Lutheran priest by the name of Johann Heinrich well, I can't pronounce his real last name, but it was Johann Heinrich Wuchera. He used a cartwheel that he wrapped around in pine, and he educated children for the meaning and the purpose of Christmas, which was adopted in the 19th century, and then it would invite Christ into their homes. It was the wheel, the circle of life, and in theory, Mm -hmm. to invite. You put it at your door. It's kind of like the blood of the lamb. During oh, the Passover, yeah, yeah, yeah. you bring the wreath, you put it on your door, it invites Christ into your household. A little bit of really cool, I got a shivers trivia. I got, I'm got. i going to one-up you again. Okay, go for it. So last night, uh, last night was what, Sunday night, um, the National Christmas Tree was lit. You know, NBC does that show. Here you go. On Christmas Eve 1923, 
President Coolidge began the country's celebration of lighting the national Christmas tree. They had 3,000 electric lights, and that was, uh, that was located on the White House lawn back then. Okay, I got another one to one-up you. This All right, one, one more. Then we Romans celebrated, it. Romans, they celebrated the rebirth of the year, and it was called Saturnalia, S-A-T-U-R-N-A-L-I-A. It represented, it started at, well, it was actually seven days. It started on the 17th of December, and coincidentally, it ended on December 24th, seven days later. Um, basically, uh, ordinary rules turned upside down. All right? In other words, basically what they're saying is that for that seven-day period, the Yule was celebrated also for that seven-day period. Mm-hmm. Um, the Advent wreath celebrated for that seven-day period. How Everything kind of rubs elbows with something that's more than coincidental for this time of year. Interesting. Yes. So, what are we going to get ourselves into this coming following year, Scott? Okay, everybody. So, we're going to take a little holiday sabbatical. And we're going to come back with season three in February. We're getting a bunch lined up. Yeah, we got some stuff lined up. And uh, we want to do some interviews. So, probably going to happen in January. But we're going to uh, you know, come back full strength uh, February ish and then get into the growing season in March and moving on. So we're going to take a little break and. Well, I want to make sure that they understand too, that we still have our social media web or sites that are up there that I am now getting more and more versed at by putting stuff up that Scott's getting a little bit frustrated with, <laughs> but I'm, I'm becoming, Oh, this we got to put up on our Midwest po- garden podcast. Oh, this. So, I mean, we're going to be keeping active on this. And yes, the podcasts are still going to be there if you want to rehash something. So you can always go to your Midwest Garden podcast on a number of sites. What is it? We've got iHeart. Oh, We've they're got- everywhere. Even even on our Facebook. If you join our Facebook, Facebook just added a right. new feature where our podcast is linked there also. So the little scrolling bar near the top, you can scroll it and it says podcast. And, just go ahead. and you have our whole library right at your fingertips through Facebook. Anything that you want to listen to while you're driving, while you're up there putting your gifts together, while you're reading, or while you're saying, you know, I'm so glad the holidays are over. We're going to be back in February with a brand new robust scenario of your Midwestern Garden podcast, as well as what you can, what you shouldn't do, and what maybe you might never have thought of before. You want to say goodnight, Scott, and happy holidays? I don't want to say goodnight because we're not going anywhere. We're... Happy holidays. Everybody have a great season right at the holiday time is the winter solstice. So it's already starting to get light. Days are going to be coming longer. Hence what we talked about. So the growing season, at least. Let it begin. Is not that far behind. We're going to have all sorts of neat little ideas as what you can do, what you shouldn't do. And, you know, surprises also like we had last season. I mean, fall army worm. Who knew? Yeah, really. I mean, frost. In, in July. Who knew? July. <laughs> well, we never had it in July. It's June. Well, I'm going to say everybody enjoy your holidays. Have a nice, you know, uh, family get-together. For those that have the family get-together. For those that don't have the family get-together, we're family. Go pull our podcast up. Enjoy listening to us. And you know what? We look forward to having you guys coming back 
come this coming February, okay? We'll see you in 2022. I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. And that guy over there is what? Who? Scott. Scott from? Toledo, Ohio. No, your Midwest Garden Podcast. All right, we'll see you, gal. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.